0: Hello, you're listening to episode 17 of Shoulder Charge, the weekly rugby League podcast. Last week there weren't an episode unfortunately, sorry about that. I had quite a few deadlines and it got to Thursday and then the next round kind of was already there so I thought mm, it'll be out of date by the time I do it anyway. So, that's why they were none last week, but we're back. And we should be regular for now. Anyway, let's start with the news. So, Catalan Dragons v Leeds is going to be played behind closed doors because of the coronavirus, which is pretty frustrating, actually, because... um you know, this is just in France at the moment and they've banned crowds over a thousand people or something what does this mean for club revenues not just in rugby league but football as well and all sporting events because obviously clubs rely on that income don't they and there was supposedly a bumper crowd going to be there for that game so they're going to miss out on a load of money there What about people who have already got tickets? Are they going to be refunded? Are are they going to be given... Is it going to be broadcast, like, to all for free or something like that? You know? I think... I don't think we should be playing games behind closed doors, to be honest. And people may be scared of the coronavirus, but... To me it's kind of been blown out of proportion. A lot of people get the flu and die of the flu as well, but we don't seem to publicise deaths of flu every day. It, it, it'd be day. I'm not a health expert, of course, but, you know, a lot of people have recovered from the coronavirus as well. And... But that's by the by, but, you know, we're taking away the whole part of sport if we're not having a crowd. The players are not going to play to the top standards and it's just going to be sort of like a non-event. And, um, you know, why can we not suspend the fixture or play it at another time, play it somewhere else? I'd rather wait, you know, I'd rather push the fixture back a month or something like that than have it played behind closed doors, because then everybody loses. The fans lose out because they're not watching it. The clubs lose out because they're not getting any money. And the players lose out because they're playing to nobody. Also, you may have heard, Ottawa are going to be playing in League One in 2021. New York are going to be playing in the Challenge Cup as well. So there's all sorts of expansion going on. The Ottawa project is headed by Eric Perez. I think he owns Toronto as well, so is there a conflict of interest there? Uh there seems to be different methods of direction sort of thing with the two with Toronto and Ottawa. Not sure about New York you know, I'm not sure about any of it to be honest and I don't really like talking about expansion to be honest you know, it gets people talk about that already you know, this podcast just focuses on the games, who's playing well and you know, a bit of fun we, it's, we don't really care uh, the thing is, it's so tiring talking about expansion all the time and saying, well this is this is a good idea but this bit's not quite working and what about this and what about that and it's it's all up in the air nothing is concrete it's probably not been planned out properly what they're saying now is probably not going to end up how it is so why not just let it see what happens and just f- talk about something else cuz it's so tedious we've we've gone over these arguments time and time again and that's all I'm going to say about that let's move on um, also, the whole FC owner Adam Pearson is facing RFL repercussions because of a program notes that he made a couple of weeks ago um, about the Catalan salary cap. When they played Catalan Dragons, he basically said, "You know that they must have a bloody magician over at Catalans because of the way they're handling the salary cap." <laughs> And to be honest, I thought it's a bit harsh, and it was only a flippant comment. It was a bit of a joke. You know, it was like, bloody hell, they're doing good with the salary cap. You know, they must be magicians over there. I don't think it was overly critical. I don't think they were, I don't know, but it it seemed more of a joke to me anyway. It didn't seem like you were totally pissed off with the fact or that he was even suggesting that they were doing anything wrong to me to me anyway it just seemed like a throwaway bit of a jokey comment so that that seemed to have been blown out of proportion to be honest and i think people get a bit too too hysterical about bloody some flipping program notes forgot like come on who cares um then we go on to we're going on to the games now, so Saints they recorded the second loss of the season and there's only five games gone. There's no major issues just yet, but it it's a bit of a concern. And I'm asking the question Is lack of recruitment coming back to bite them? Because we see not all other clubs have strengthened Huddersfield have got Aidan Caesar. We know about Wigan and, and uh, Jackson Hastings and whatnot. We know about Hull FC. And Saints have kept the same squad. And they've had players that are injured for the first five games. OK, we can, we can say that, so they're not going to be on top of the game. But Saints knew that they were going to have injuries throughout the season. So, you know, if, if the replacements are not quite up to the standards... Then that's solely down to the coach. He had a whole off season to to bring in adequate replacements, so that if players do get injured, there's a there's a you know a more than adequate replacement to do the same job. And I don't think in any of their matches this year they've actually been that convincing. Okay, they comfortably beat Salford, last year's grand finalist, in on the opening day. Uh, well their opening game anyway it was the opening day of the season wasn't it yeah those were the Thursday night game yeah I'm pretty sure but Salford they ain't half the team that they was Saints did okay against Roosters Sydney Roosters but they fell short they comfortably beat Toronto but so has everybody else and then they struggled against Hull FC they were losing 6-2 at half time they did produce a magnificent second half performance scoring 30 points and they ended up winning the game. But it, it was a 40-minute performance that won it, not an 80-minute performance. They've lost to Warrington who have been hit and miss. They, they, did they nail Saints? I think they nailed them. And now they've lost to Huddersfield who are looking like a great side right now whether they can keep that up for the season, we might find out in a couple of games. Um, And let's just look at Saints' form compared to last year. The first loss for Saints in 2019 came in round nine. The second loss came eight games later in round 17, which was against London Broncos, when I think they rested quite a lot of players as well. And this loss has come at home, which in all of 2019 they didn't w- they didn't lose it was a 100% home record so after just 5 games the 100% record is gone and they've lost another as well so it's three wins and two losses i said in my prediction episode the first episode of this year that i thought it'd be a lot closer but i d- i expected them to be better than three wins and two losses and we're gonna delve into the stats of this game a bit more deeper in this in the stats um feature. But looking at the stats, Huddersfield did put in a great defensive effort. And let's look at the next three matches for St Helens. They've got Castleford, I think Castleford are third in the table at the moment. They've been on some good form, they've tailed off recently, but they're still doing alright. Leeds are banging form, they might have not have played the top size in the division, but a couple of their players are looking pretty dangerous. And Hull KR, they weren't quite pushovers against Wigan, They they lost by, I think it was at least two tries, two converted tries. So the the scoreline suggests it were comfortable, but HKR are well in the game for quite a while, and yeah, HKR have lost five matches. But I mean, they're not easy. They're not easy teams to beat. You know, you can't go in there being complacent, saying, "Oh, well, it's HKR," and you're looking at them three fixtures, and you think, if that stuttering form continues, then the alarm bells are ringing because it might just be a bit of sluggishness. The fact that they've got players out. But, you know, if the, if that continues on, then it's a bit of a crisis, isn't it? And it becomes harder to retain that League Leader's shield. Also, Leeds, they've gone second in the table. They battered Toronto 66-12. Toronto, for me, were overwhelmed. I don't think Leeds actually leads were, they exploited everything but I don't think they were tested you know, they didn't have to produce everything that they'd got to get those 66 points I think they were were obviously going at it and they were trying hard but they weren't putting an extra 10% in to get you know, past the opponent I think it was just a normal day and you know, Leeds were playing well and they got the 66 points Toronto, all over the place for me, I don't think they made much field position every gap that there was in the Wolfpack defence, Leeds went through and there were quite a lot of those for me, Leeds are looking like the real deal actually but okay, they've not played that many top sides and they did lose to Hull FC but that was the opening round I'm really liking Richie Myler at the moment. He's at full-backing, I'm I'm pretty sure. Luke Gale is adding an extra dimension. It makes you wonder why Castleford got rid of him, actually. I know he he had that massive, long injury, but, you know, he, he seems to not... That injury doesn't seem to have changed him as a player at all. And it's usually the case with a large injury like that that when they return, they never come back to the same form. Well, Luke Gale looks like he's doing that. And my favourite player at the moment, alongside Bevan French, the bulldozing comrade Hurrell, nobody can stop him. And then you've got Ash Hanley and Harry Newman in in, in the mix as well. That There's some very dangerous players there. Back in the predictions episode, which I like to refer to, I had Lee's down as finishing 7th this year, but they're looking a lot better than that at the moment, albeit after five rounds. And like I said earlier, we should take the early farmers with a pinch of salt because wins have come against Salford, Hull KR, Warrington and Toronto. Those sides have been inconsistent at best. Lost against Hull FC, as I said, but as the old cliche goes, I don't like using cliches, but in this case it is correct, you can only beat what's in front of you, pretty obvious. And for the next three matches, they've got Catalan Dragons behind closed doors, St Helens and Castleford, so that's an important run of games there. And In current form, I think Leeds could win at least two of those, and I would not be surprised if they won all of them, actually. Defensively, they're one of the best in the division, if not the best. In round one, they conceded 30 points, but in the the four games since then, they've only conceded 30 points. So, you know, that works out about just under two unconverted tries a game and you know with that defence you, you're basically onto a winner moving on to Hull FC they narrowly snatch a win against Wakefield in Golden Point and ok it's a win for Hull FC but I think the fans m- must be pretty pissed off at the moment because the story of Hull FC's season last year was they went from one extreme to another and they're doing it the same again they're not performing for the full 80 minutes. We s- I've said it time and time again on this season's podcast. Half-time, they were 26, nil, 20, 26 up. And yet, they only just nicked a golden point win at the final hooter. <coughs> Obviously, you credit Wakefield there. But I see you have got to be better. Because they're supposed to be the dark horses. And the recruitment was supposed to be the best in Super League. All of that early talk of how Hull FC were looking, that's gone straight out of the window. Has it got something to do with the coach? I think it could do because, as I said, they were so inconsistent in 2019, and it's still carrying on. Lee Radford supposedly rectified all this with his recruitment, got rid of a few players, added quite a number of quality signings, and yet, same old, same old. And I think if it continues, he might be under pressure in the next couple of rounds because the next three for them is Warrington, Huddersfield and Salford and those games are not easy. The win against Wakefield stops a four match loss streak so that's positive at least but then Wakefield, you know, they're not the best sides in the league. I think they're doing alright though. I had them down for relegation which I might have to revise. I might have to revise quite a few of the predictions actually but that's irrelevant. Wakefield have not had the best starts they do only have four points and have just got two more than Hulk AR but they ran Hulk FC close clearly. They beat Warrington and they beat Salford as well. The next three games for them Toronto, Wigan and Leeds and they've got they've got a good chance with those three games especially when Tom Johnston is playing so well for them, I think the stats show it was five tries from four games and there's a couple of clubs in worse positions than them so I don't think they're doing too badly to be honest, I don't think they were going to be the top five side but they're doing better than what most have predicted and now on to the lowest scoring game of the round Warrington narrowly beating Castleford, 9-8. Looking at the stats, which I'm going to get into a bit deeper later on, Warrington looked like they had a lot of possession and Castleford seemed to do a lot of defending. So it seems to me that Warrington were not inventive in attack. They weren't producing the flair that you need to bypass a defence. I didn't actually see the game because the recording on my T V balls up for some reason, so I couldn't get I couldn't watch the match. For Warrington, it's a lot better than being nilled against Leeds, isn't it? And to beat Castleford who are right up there in the top of the table and join a bit of good form. I think that's a good result. And Warrington ain't playing the best their best at the moment. So a win when you're not performing. That's the posit- that's the positive, isn't it? And I might not have seen the game but what I did see was those continuous miss drop goal attempts. Did Danny Richardson miss about three drop goals? I think I think that what I think it were three, it was at least two. And then Warrington were at it and and then Blair Austin finally got it over. The next three for Warrington, the two whole clubs and then Catalans still don't really know what to think about Wolves they've only seemed the best once this year and that was against Saints and they had a lot of players out there so Warrington's still unsure also Catalans beat Salford it's another loss for Salford it were 30-14. Are Salford in a relegation battle? It is early days, but it's one winner out of five. That's relegation form. They've had quite a few tough fixtures, but then again, they've lost against Wakefield, which arguably, if they're not in a relegation battle, they needed to win that one quite comfortably. And in two games, 52... uh, Not 52 tries. 52 points conceded. Jesus, I hope it weren't 52 tries. Uh, Until they reduced those points conceding they're just not going to win games I'm afraid and Catalan's they're doing quite good at the moment how long will that last that's the question because I think it's three wins on the bounce for them it was against Salford, F.C., and Castleford next three Leeds, Wigan and Warrington they're even tougher than those three they've played away just once which they're usually not so good away at home. They did win the away match, but obviously it's only one match. The next one's at home, but then that's behind closed doors. So will that be like an away game? Could could be, couldn't it? And then um, the next two after that, Wigan and Warrington, they're away, so that they're going to be tough matches. That's going to tell us a lot about where they're going to finish. But right now, they're doing quite good. Same, shame you can't say the same for Salford and then Wigan they beat Hull KR thirty sixteen. 16 Robins are having a bit of a hard time at the moment the scoreline suggests Wigan won it pretty comfortably but as I said earlier Hull KR were in the game for quite a while and the Robins had a few chances that, didn't, that they didn't take I think it was 18-12 at half time But then, who can stop Wigan at the moment? It's 72 points scored in the last two games, and 42 of those points came against the Dark Horses' Huddersfield, who are supposedly red hot at the moment. So, you know, if that's not a statement of intent, I don't know what is. You can imagine they're going to take some stopping as well, because next three, it's Salford, Catalans, and Wakefield. You can see them winning all all three and there's no reason why they won't. You'd probably be disappointed as a Wigan fan if they don't win all three. And I say this pretty much every single episode. But Hastings and Bevan French are just running the show at the moment. And they don't seem to be slowing down at all. (coughs) Moving on to the stats. I'm going to kick off this section by talking about offloads which I quite like doing you may have noticed from the other episodes but I think it's quite important to have a look at them in some detail because offloads can be very crucial and useful to your side if you use them in the right way and in the right moment they can be a difference maker in winning a game if they're used in the right way as I just said but the least highest offloaders I don't think are doing that because let's look at the top offloaders we've got Toronto we've got Warrington, we've got Hull KR and Hull FC now then, let's look at the teams who have conceded the most points who who do you think is going to be there Toronto Hull KR who are Two onto a first Hull and a second, Hull FC a fourth, and Warrington a sixth. So, if, to me, there's a clear link there. The more offloads you do in, the more points you concede in. You know, let's look at the least offenders, the ones who are, the ones who are not doing much offloads. Huddersfield are the, the least offloaders in the game. There's there's probably a better way of saying that, but you know, whatever. Catalans are the second least offloaders. Then it's Wigan, and then it's Lead Rhinos. Those are the best performing sides in Super League right now, and I don't think that's a coincidence. We know that rugby league is all about completing your sets well, being disciplined, and having a bit of flair, some good kicks. You know, some extra to give you an edge to to put your into the winning positions. Being a team that focuses on offloads all the time, that's gonna throw the whole ethos of rugby league into doubt, surely. And I think those some, I think some of those teams who are offloading so much, I think if they toned it down a bit, they might have better results. If they targeted those offloads, for when there's a genuine chance that the attack can keep going. But that's that's enough for the offloads. For the stats, in last week, Bevan French, as I like to mention most podcasts, he performed well, Kel surprise, he made 121 metres, 11 carries and 7 tackle busts against HKR. For Huddersfield, in their match, Adam O'Brien and Mike Lawrence made over 100 tackles between them. They were crucial in the win against St. Helens. Crucial in keeping just 10 points that Saints scored. In terms of the Warrington game, where they just won on um, Golden Point, Four of their players made over 150 metres. Those players, Josh Charnley, Tom Lynham, Chris Hill and Stefan Ratchford. So, the, as I mentioned earlier, there's a lot of running at that Castleford defence. So, Castleford, they were pretty good defensively. They must have been. But they had little to show for it. S- same with um, Warrington. You know, they seem to be giving it their all, but they had little to show for it as well. Anyway, that were the stats feature, now we move on to the predictions. Now, we've got Hull FC v Warrington. Hull FC, they've just stopped a four-match loss streak with that narrow victory against Wakefield, but they were comfortable beating Wakefield at half-time, and they won it by one point, so that's a concern. I don't think they've performed consistently for a full 80 minutes yet, And the same can be said for Warrington. So I think it's going to be high scoring. And because I hate offloads at the moment, well, I don't hate offloads, but I hate teams that are just offloading for the sake of offloading. And for me, Warrington have been doing that quite often. It doesn't seem like the they did that in Ca- in the Castleford game although I didn't see it so they might have been but they didn't concede that many points but you know I think if that carries on which I assume it will to some extent I'm going to go for whole FC just for that reason because I don't think there's much to separate them anyway. Uh, Salford v Wigan Salford for me they've been pretty shoddy there's not much to even weigh up on the two sides here. Wigan have been deadly, 72 points in the last two games. It's just it's just Wigan all day long. Now, I'm not going to do the Challenge Cup ties, because we'll be here all day. But yeah, let's hope for a Sheffield win. And also, um, back in Super League, Catalans v Leeds. This is the behind-the-closed-doors clash. What effect is that going to have? Both teams are pretty in form at the moment, but I'm liking Leeds a lot, especially Comrade Hurl and Richie Myler. For that reason, let's go with Leeds. They're a bit of a lottery, these uh, predictions, you know. You can pick some pretty bizarre reasons as to which team you're going to pick, so, you know, it's by no means an exact science, but... I like to think I know <laughs> know what I'm talking about. Although I probably don't. Um, I think then the last match is Castleford v Saints. Now, if you look at the head-to-heads, for Castleford, if I can remember, I don't have it right in front of me, but I was doing the research a bit ago, I don't think Castleford have won in seven games against St. Helens. So... There's a tick there for St. Helens win, but then Saints are not doing that well at the moment. Castleford did lose as well, so they both lost, but Castleford were doing quite well before then. But I'm looking at that head-to-head record, and they usually carry on, don't they? And Saints, they've got the best squad. Well, when they're fully fit, they have and they're the reigning champions aren't they so that's why you're going to have to back St Helens, I've backed them for a win to win every single match this year which hasn't been proved right but they're going to get the fourth win, surely they're not going to have a 50% win record after six rounds that's your predictions that was the podcast for this week there should be one next week there probably will be one next week so stay tuned See you next week.